Well, first of all, again, thank you for everyone for tuning in for another episode here. And this one, we talk more about kind of the future or even current day where we start talking with a Shiva. He is the CEO and founder of a company called Pit Stop. And we talk about predictive. So we get into predictive, but it's really more than that. It's to be predictive, you have to analyze what's kind of going on on your vehicle with your other vehicles, similar vehicles, uh, competitor vehicles. There's a lot of data points you can do to really build things out. So I know ChatGPT is a big name in the whole AI space and people are afraid of Skynet happening and, and all the things, but it, it really is a, a new world that's kind of unfolding us uh, right in front of us. So this is a, a great conversation with uh, someone who's really passionate about what he does. He's got his company going well. They just did a capital raise. They're they're funded. They're moving forward and they're helping solve the same problem we are. We're trying to keep vehicles on the road as long as possible. So enjoy this episode between uh, me and Shiva. Shiva, like, first of all, welcome to the DL. And I got to say, I saw the announcement a couple of weeks ago. It looks like you guys went through a successful capital raise with all this snow, noise going on, right? With the finance markets and interest rates and banks failing and everything. So things things must be feeling pretty good over there and things must be clipping along pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me here, Tyler. And things are on to a good track. We're lucky to be able to be able to fundraise our efforts and in um, definitely a strong position and looking forward to continue to focus on the business and not so much <laughs> raising money and these types of things. Yeah, no, I mean, time sucks, right? You got due diligence and quality of earnings and a lot of meetings and demos and visits. Like it's, it's yeah. a distraction for sure from your core business. So, but on that note, your core business, like what, what does pit stop do? Because you guys, you guys are unique. There's not a lot of companies that do what you guys do. And it's a thing I really believe in. That's a really important thing coming down the pipeline or it's actually are kind of already here. Yeah, yeah. So what we're focusing on is helping fleets take this these large data sets from different places. One is they got their ELD telematics. One side, they got work order, related data, repair history from those fleet management platforms. They got deep data from diagnostic tools like diesel laptops. So trying to bring these equations together in such a way that I can help them get ahead of downtime. And the way that we do that is just say, hey, like, here's a vehicle. It's got a, for example, PM coming up, but the transmission is like throwing a bunch of codes and it seems like it's increasing in frequency. So it's probably trending towards a breakdown. And the last 20 times this came up in the overall network on pit stop, it led to uh, a, a full rebuild of the transmission for uh, some extreme example like that. So like that's that uh, weaving that story of information together to help you make the right decisions. That's kind of what we do. And that's kind of a long winded answer, but it's really, let's move from like purely mileage based maintenance to something a little smarter because the information is there. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes, it makes sense to me. I mean, it's 2023, right. And we're still like in this reactive model of, thing broke, I fix. And really now you got data coming off vehicles. Like, you know, you just said the ELDs, the diagnostic tools, obviously most fleets have their shop management software and they're putting data in there as well. Like what the part was and all the things. So a lot of times when you have a, a big data set and you're obviously trying to get ahead of it for the customer to tell them before things actually get really, really bad, what's going on. A lot of this comes down to like 
clean data, right? And that's that can be hard. I can imagine like work orders, like there's probably a hundred different people that use a hundred different shop management software and everyone's putting their data in different ways. I mean, are they VMRS coding? Are they using something else? Like part number? Like there, there's a lot of moving pieces like in like the fine detail. And even with ELDs, we've seen that too, where it's not always consistent or the same, or there's things there. So is, is that really a problem at all, trying to analyze all this granular data? Or is that part kind of easy in this equation? Or where, where does this thing get tricky at? Yeah, so, so sometimes um, building solutions is all about the timing of the market in, in some ways. So I, I know I'm like coming at this answer in a very weird way, but right now, technology-wise, like this whole chat GPT thing that's going on, what the core of that is, is taking uh, messy data, like random text on the internet and information in different sources and scanning through that and figuring out what's relevant and important and then summarizing it for you. Uh, and there's many use cases. So that so the fact that that's become more apparent on the front end, like to everybody, that's pretty much what we do. So we use a bunch of models and tools to look through this very messy data set and find those patterns and structure. And so we've trained it off of a lot of work order data, a lot of gaps in sensor data. So it's true that there's a lot of way to go to make these things perfect, the information. But it's also true that it's like there is a lot there today that can drive direct benefits and value that can be measurable. And so we should take advantage of what we got. So I think there's a, a mix of uh, those factors. Does that make sense? It's like we're not fully at some perfect end, end game where um, the vehicle can 100% estimate what's going to fail, but you're also at a place that's better than a mileage-based PM cycle. Um, so let's make the most of what is there. It's kind of the approach and extract as much out of the data that that's in place. And that's kind of what we focus our energy on. So you like you mentioned the ELDs, the work orders, the diagnostic tools. So like when you guys do this, is it just looking at that one vehicle? Or are you looking at like vehicles across the same company or across all the vehicles you see in your platform? Is it, is it all those data sets kind of just being merged together to, to make this magic work? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So I, there's two layers. There's one is a training layer where you're practicing on a data set and trying to understand, is this model actually going to give you the good results? So you take the history of everyone's information, which is, includes like, okay, on these freight liners, here's exactly what maintenance happened over the past five years across like five different fleets, uh, maybe 20,000 vehicles or something. And then you say, what are those distinct patterns? What is the biggest uh, reasons for downtime, un unplanned downtime? And then you work backwards and you say, okay, was there trends on telematics leading to that event? When you see enough patterns, you build a model on that. Then the model might be like, if all that data was like 20 gigabytes of data, the algorithm might be like uh, 500 megabytes worth of information. So that algorithm doesn't actually necessarily refer to all the history in real time, it's been trained and weighted according to that data. And then you launch that on each fleet independently. So it's, it's kind of cool because you learn from a bunch of history, but then when you launch it, it doesn't directly reference that previous data. So you get the benefits of security and um, you can then tune it for that fleet specifically. You take this like generalized model across that vehicle set and then you can make it even better for each customer and so that's kind of the way that we approach it. So it sounds like what you're saying is like the more data you get, the the better the software and algorithms can can do their thing. 
So is is this a story then of like, just, hey, I need to get as many customers on the platform as possible, or do you have a lot on the the platform currently? Can you talk a little bit about current state of of what you have going on? Yeah, for sure. So today we have half a million vehicles or so that we've analyzed. We work directly with OEMs, with tier one, two, three suppliers, with fleets. In the past two years, we've spent a lot more time working with fleets um, and building up that solution set. So it's that data set that allows us to build these models and have confidence. So we can go back and say, okay, if we run this algorithm, how many cases would it have accurately predicted? And then you can get towards 90, 95% prediction accuracy. And that's what's kind of compelling is fairly quickly within like, I would say less than 10 iterations uh, of each algorithm, you can get to over 90% accuracy. Uh, There's always questions around that 5%, like how do you handle that? And what we found is, it's it's not just like an algorithm saying, hey, this thing's going to break. It's also like, what's the workflow for that fleet to go and operate it, like do the job? Like, can you actually stop this vehicle from driving and doing the job it needs to do today? Sometimes you can't. You still got to run the vehicle because you're short on vehicles. So maybe you, you switch the route to something local. So I think in those cases, that 5%, you can manage with the right messaging. It's kind of like, it looks like there's a risk when it doesn't impact operations. Maybe we should try to pull it in and do the inspection and pull that PM earlier so we can do the oil change like three weeks earlier Then we didn't go in for an extra service visit for no reason. So try to be, again, smart. I guess smart maintenance is really the theme that we're trying to work with here. All right. So a lot of data coming off the vehicles and there's a lot of sensors, a lot of components, more and more every single year. Are yeah. we at the point where you guys are looking at everything or is this just, hey, let's let's just start with some of these core things that are happening. Maybe it's batteries or knock sensors or whatever. Where Where's the focus yeah. when you guys go talk to a fleet on what you're trying to be predicted with? Yeah, yeah. Great question. So we look at things like what's the top 10 uh, breakdown reasons or unplanned downtime events that happens for the specific fleet? Where are like top 20 fault codes that keep popping up for them um, that seems to trend towards costs. And, and then you start with that really. So delivering against, you know, that 80, 20 rule, if I allow you to focus 80% of your time uh, or 20% of that focus on those, those problems, you'll drive 80% of additional value to, to your, your fleet and reduce 80% of that cost. So that's kind of the focus is helping them uh, target the things that are front and center. There are new systems like ADAS electrification, and we built some models around those tools. But I think one of the challenges is as these vehicles are being deployed, you start to figure out those problems in real time. And when the volumes are low, fairly low, um, the types of problems could be like uh, edge cases. So, for example, maybe today the ADAS systems have specific lane detection problems, but like at scale, it's not going to have that problem because they're going to fix that. But the problems that exist at scale is something completely different. So, so I think... It's like monitoring what these changes happening on vehicles over the years is key uh, in making these models adaptable and understanding the state of the technology that it's monitoring. How is that going to change over time actually matters a lot, too. So so summary is like we focus on the, the kind of classic stuff, the diesel exhaust system, um, the, a lot of emissions codes, emissions issues. Sometimes it's OEM related regulations, forcing things that aren't really ready. Um, that happens a lot. There's uh, electrical system, battery, alternator, starter, uh, tires, obviously a big thing. You can look for slow tire leaks and abnormal tire wear, um, braking, uh, abnormal brake uh, wear over time. These are the types of 
systems that you can analyze today with a high accuracy. So when you're talking to a customer is, I can imagine they're like, okay, well, how do I know it works? Right. I can imagine that's like the conversation that a lot of them have is like, well, how do I know it's right? So is this a situation where they're like, well, your software said a thing. I'm going to see if it's right. I'm going to let it drive around and see if it actually breaks. Or do they take, like, how, how does a customer go through the validation to be like, yeah, this is, this is a good piece of software and it's really helping me with what I got going on in my fleet for maintenance? Yeah, it makes, uh, that's a great question. So the, some of the bigger fleets will be able to do things like A-B tests. So take a portion of your fleet, run this analysis and, and train that shop or technician group that's servicing the vehicle on how these alerts are going to come in and what actions they need to take against a shop that is not really focused on that at all and, and the fleet. And then you kind of see what that performance is in two, three months relative to each other. Another way is you don't do anything. And then you see how many times was an alert sent before the some event? And would you have trusted that? So you can build those cases. We've now done like dozens of these case studies. So we have a lot of like um, raw information. So we do try to fit, like when we talk to a fleet, okay, hey, you're in, you know, lo- uh, long haul trucking, um, I'm going to reference data from like two or three case studies we ran in that segment and like take based on your vehicle population and the region you're at. We're going to try to project some of those savings into your environment. We kind of start with the ROI there. I think there's some more tangible benefits right off the bat. Like it, it, when you get the uh, technician service center on board, diagnostic uh, times can be improved for those top 20 fault codes where it's pretty clear what happens. The patterns are repeated. Uh, so you can help guide on those scenarios a little bit better, better planning. Uh, so that saves on time, which can build up quite a bit. And then the other thing is tow costs, just hard tow costs. Like don't send this truck on, on that long haul, um, journey, send it within the state. Cause like, at least we can tow it to somewhere, uh, with, with, without ex- extreme costs or we can manage that. I think those are like some real low hanging fruit value props they see within 30 to 60 days. ROI. Does that make sense? It makes it makes great sense. And I know I know I'm asking a lot of questions about predictive because it's like cool stuff, right? Uh, cool. But really, what you guys are selling is more of like a package, taking a look at a couple different components of how they should maintain that fleet. And I know before the air we got on, we talked a little bit about smart maintenance. Can you yeah. just kind of break down for the audience, like kind of the the, the pillars or the buckets of that in terminology? Because yeah. it's really what you guys are doing is helping people through a couple different ways be more yeah. effective and efficient at keeping their fleet up on the road. Yeah. Okay. So some perfect, I'll start with the perfect goal. The dream is like, Hey, some software should look at all this information. Tell me everything I need to do and never be wrong. So tell me when to fix something because it's going to break down or there's going to be an event to the point of like, do this oil change five days earlier and it will prevent like head gasket failure in three years. You know, like you want some perfect case like that. Obviously that's a long journey from today. That's like an extreme version of predictive. The, the versions of predictive today is that, hey, I see signals in this vehicle trending towards something severe. So in the next 10 days, I do think there's going to be an, a breakdown event with a 90% confidence. So that's what predictive is today. What, what we look at for um, prescriptive maintenance, which is understanding that you got nine days for this potential breakdown, is then also then planning. How do you plan like when you can bring it in based on all the operational stuff going on? Like, do we have a window of time where the vehicle might just be sitting in a parking lot and there's availability on the shop side? How do we coordinate and get people to schedule that more efficiently? 
So, so giving a smart uh, PM planner. So it's not just mileage-based PM reminders for the next 30 days. It's kind of taking in your existing PM plan and then mixing in what are vehicles that are trending towards failure. Can we pull those in actually earlier? And some of the ones that were supposed to come this week, it's okay if it goes for an extra 100 miles because uh, it's, it's trending fine. The vehicle's riding fine. The drivers were good to that vehicle. So you can kind of take it a little longer. So these are the the ways of driving what's called prescriptive. So I explained predictive, prescriptive. And then one of the key value problems we're seeing in the market today is just like, how do you use your diagnostic data from the ELD? Like simply speaking, there's too many codes. Like if you got a few hundred assets, you, you can have thousands of codes being thrown at you. 90% are noise, 80 to 90%. So you want to categorize those. What's really critical, major, minor, uh, and you want to learn because your your team is building knowledge like every single day. You're get, getting expertise. So you, how do you save that somewhere and be reminded of that the next time that kind of event shows up? So I think that's a I think that's the what's there today for most fleets is like deliver that so that when they hit the shop and they they use the diesel laptops product they can go in deep, but like help already do that handoff with the service advisor fleet coordinator. So. He's kind of planning the right technician at the right bay at the right time. And then this thing works a little bit better end to end. So that's kind of the few areas that we see uh, us delivering value. Yeah. I mean, very, you know, completely different, but similar in regards is we're trying now to have conversations with customers about like even doing a pre and post scan. Like yeah. before you even work on the vehicle, do a health report, see what codes, see what's going on. And then when you when you do it at the end with a repair, there's a lot of good reasons to do it then as well. And yeah. it's, it's a hard mind shift, at least with a lot of our customers, because they're usually smaller customers. They're mobile maintenance yeah. operations. They're the small independent retailers, uh, service providers. So that that's a struggle for us. And, I, you know, I, I don't know what the stat is like 95 percent of all fleets have less than 10 trucks or something. I don't, I don't know what the yeah. exact number is. Right? So there's a lot of small fleets out. There. There's a lot of big ones out there. And the problem that we've ran into is the smaller they are, like the less time they have and the less they care about yeah. new things. They just worry about like the thing in front of them. Are you guys able to get in front of those customers? Are you going after the, the big customers or where's the where's like your target customer that you're trying to top conversations with today? Yeah, yeah. We, we find like if it's 150 or larger, it, it makes sense. There's that there's a good spot between like 150 to 2000 where it's easier to talk to the team. There's maybe four or five people running like the show in, in some ways, depends on the size. And then it's easier to show that value, build that case study, get data from them. There's not so many firewalls. Um, that's like the sweet spot. And and they'll see value quickly, like in 30 days, when you got 150 or so vehicles or more, you will have a breakdown like every other week or something similar to that. It just, the, the law of numbers, I guess, in some ways. So these fleets, is it just a matter of them flipping their ELD data over to you? Or is there a lot of integration stuff they have to do? Or how, how easy or difficult is it for a new customer to kind of get onboarded and you guys start grabbing that data and have your tools mm -hmm. chomp through it? Yeah, for some of the big guys like Samsara, Geotab, uh, Verizon, and Motive are the ones that we're deeply integrated in. We get an API key and within like 20 minutes, data starts flowing. Within 24 hours, you'll start getting some alerts that are giving some benefit and relevant. I think the time that takes the, the thing that takes a little longer is working with the team, getting them up to speed about, you know, how does this fit into your day to day workflow and what are you going to do um, to try to validate and build confidence with the tool? Again, it is a tool. The people behind the, the desk doing the work is what really matters. And this is just 
you know, one other tool to help them make better decisions faster. So just being clear about that and that it's not like AI is taking over the world type of thing and is going to take your job, right? That I think it's important. We come to these extreme cases in the media and I don't actually think it, the tools are there yet, the way people talk about it. Yeah, I mean, media's got a does a great job of hyping up things, right? Like if you listen to mainstream yeah. media, we'd have a million EV commercial trucks driving up and down the interstates right now, and that's not that's not the reality of the situation at all. Uh, I just yeah. saw that guy at the ATA just say basically, look, there's there's more people in this room than charging stations in the United States for commercial trucks when he was doing just doing a thing at Congress a couple of weeks ago. So the media's got a, a way of overhyping it, and of course, Chat GPT, like everyone's talking about it, things are going on, all kinds of apps, all these all these things are happening. So I guess I mean you're in the middle of this. I'd love to hear from you. So like here's the analogy I'm going to use, right? So you're yeah. on the one yard line, you got to go 99 yards to the finish line. Yeah. Like where mm-hmm. where are we at with like predictive and and really doing like the core of what you're doing. Are we in the one yard line today with today's technology? Are we moving like, how, do we have a long way to go? Are we part of the way there? Can you break that down yeah. for us a little bit? I would say based on the buckets we broke down, remote diagnostics is like front, front and center. And I think that is maybe at like 30 yards or so. Like there's, and mostly I mean adoption of like these tools and it's not, about the hard part of the technology, like giving the data now, it's about like what format and method and how does it fit into this workflow? Uh, that's the piece that needs to be worked on to actually make it more scalable and streamlined so everyone can benefit. And I think they're like every case study we show is you reduce downtime by like 10 to 20% just by looking at that information. It's like kind of a no brainer for everyone, but it's hard because you're running a, a, a very com- um, high pressure business in, in transportation overall. So there's everyone's wearing a lot of hats and it's hard to learn these new tools. But I think that's kind of the furthest thing along. And then I think predictive is definitely within like uh, maybe five yards or something. Like the tools are there. Even some of our fleets, they know it's there. But how do you actually like really build that into um, your business and, and really make it so that now that I got this predictability, I can actually change my operations. Maybe I can like stop doing such aggressive maintenance or I could buy a little less vehicles because I can depend on the ones that I have. You know, you get spare vehicles. Some fleets that are larger can afford four extra trucks just in case something breaks down. We send one of the extra trucks. So like for predictive to really impact the business at its core, they have to trust it enough and then be able to change their business according to the fact that they have this net new knowledge that they can depend on. So that's why I would say it's early on, because even if the technologies are there, it's more about can you actually adopt it in a way that's benefiting and culturally are fleets willing to like try it like within an EV side, for example, electrification. A lot of people have to try things now. They have to spend money. They might not get get the return today, but by learning, maybe like in a few years, they will get that return. Uh other fleets do get a return right away. There's certain cases that benefit better than others, but you got to be kind of willing uh, to explore and learn and see how, how it works. So that's what I think today for the most part. But I think there's a huge window for better use of fault information mixed into the work order history. And then with that format, once that format catches on a little more, then you just throw in predictions in, inside the format and it'll just kind of work. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I I love the answer, and I love new technology, right? So anytime it's something new that's happening, 
it's always great. To, like I always tell people, like, man, I got like a front row seat at uh, at a show going on here, right? Like I see this world unfolding in front of me right now. It's kind of kind of crazy with, like you said, predictive data, vehicles, EVs, robots driving trucks. Like the whole the whole yeah. world's like moving. I feel like just so fast compared to before. But okay, so I, I got one last question for you. I'm I'm a founder of my company. I get asked the question all the time, Tyler. How'd you how'd you start your company? Where'd the idea come from? So I got to throw that one right at you as well. Shiva, where did where did all this come from? How'd you get the idea? Yeah, so my my father owns service centers in Toronto, Canada. That's where I'm from. So I grew up in the back of the shop. I was never really tasked to run the business side. It was more uh, learn about like what's going on, how to fix a vehicle, like kind of have fun with it. So I was always screwing things up, and um, like even a few weekends ago, I reprogrammed my BMW module and it failed and then i had to get some new tools to to fix it but like going in deep and trying new things right uh was the key and then because of that i was so fascinated by all these electronic controls in the vehicle that i became an engineer and worked in silicon valley for a company called nvidia so we were building uh these chips called tegra that power things like your nintendo switch but also the test the first versions of tesla were powered by this chip the infotainment and that's where I seen data flow from the vehicle to the supplier. And they move so quickly. Every six months, they had new products ready, new chips. It's normal in the technology industry, but not in automotive. And I realized, hey, if you take this remote data coming through and you feed it to the service center in the right way, it should be able to change their business like from bottom up, where you kind of have technicians are sitting around waiting for demand. You, you push marketing like, hey, you should do your tires now, come in for service to like, I actually know exactly what's happening at your asset. And like, let me help you with, you know, asset number 10, uh, because it's going to help you. And yeah, it's better for my business. But at the same time, then I'm taking care of you. It's that kind of gist of concept. Um, it's evolved, but it, at the root, that's where, where this all started. Well, I absolutely love it, right? I mean, we're both trying to do the same thing. We're trying to keep trucks on the road more often than they're broke down in the shop. We're just kind of taking yeah. some different angles at it. And it says on a couple of podcasts, it's always amazing. Like we all see the problem and there's a bunch of us coming at it from like different angles and coming up with different solutions and building companies around it. So it's really awesome yeah. seeing entrepreneurship, business unfold, technology change and having the ability to go impact an industry. So Shiva, people want to learn more about Pit Stop or they want to connect with you. Where should they go? Yeah, they can actually just email me at Shiva, S-H-I-V-A, at pitstopconnect.com. That's also our website, pitstopconnect.com, and just reach out. I'd love to support. Even just talk, if you got a bunch of data sitting around, you don't know what to do with it, just happy to have discussions. Uh, we're pretty, um, I guess, helpful and we want to learn as well so we we give and exchange information with with anyone almost so open open-minded and ready to uh help as much as possible well shiva thank you very much for coming on the show and explaining everything to us uh we're definitely gonna be following your company seeing how all this unfolds really like kind of leading edge stuff that you guys have going on over there so as we end every episode it's not just diagnostics it's diagnostics done right and this is the future, this is where things are going, and this is a today technology, it's working. Does it have word uh, room to go? Yeah, there's always improvement with everything, including diagnostics, including things we do, including what they do over at Pit Stop. So thank you for watching, like, comment, share, subscribe, share with your friends. We appreciate it. We'll catch you on the next episode.